Welcome to episode 68 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. He's Lapore. I'm Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. If you're a new listener and you really enjoy the show, it would be a big time help if you give us a five-star rating and review on both Apple and Spotify. And if you're watching us on YouTube and you really like the content, we would appreciate it so, so much if you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is dropping some new content. All right, everybody. As of Friday, July 15th, 2022, we are a few days removed from the beginning of NHL free agency. A lot of the big names have already signed. Still a few decent names out there that need to sign some contracts. We are going to get into all the players the Leafs sign, all the players who left the Toronto Maple Leafs. We're going to get into Johnny Gaudreau, best and worst signings. This is going to be a great episode, and I promise you want to stick here until the very end. But until we get to all that, it is time to welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lapore. How you doing, man? Very well, Anthony Bruno, as always, thank you for the intro. It's Friday, so why not celebrate with a pod? Episode 68. Nobody, Bruno, in the history of wow. the Toronto, in the history of the Toronto Maple Leafs, no player has ever donned the number 68. So why not give a shout out to the number 68, Yarmer Yager, who, when you come to think of it, played for pretty well every team in the National Hockey League, except for the Toronto Maple yeah. Leafs. Uh, uh, and Yags, you know, still kicking it, man. He's uh, playing in the uh, in the Czech Republic. He is the president and owner of the team he plays for. So uh, living the dream, man. I don't know if you saw, he put out a tweet the other day. I saw that. That yeah, was awesome. Yeah, for free agency. Be like, yeah, sign me up. I'm old and slow and, you know, I'll bring a lot. Awesome. Yager, kind of weird career. He went from like young, exciting, everyone loved him. And all like the Washington stuff, like all just going for money. Everyone kind of disliked him. And then he came back. It was like the Rangers. And everyone really liked him when he was like old. But everyone just loves Yager now, man. Good social media follow. Yeah, Yager's the best. I don't know how you could possibly hate Yarmir Yager, even though, like you said, he went through that, that stage where like he chased the money. And then he had like that second part of his career where he almost won the MVP with the Rangers. Yeah. I think he finished runner up to Thornton one year when he was like, in his like mid to late thirties, pretty crazy. Yeah, those Rangers teams they, didn't they have like Yager, Bure, and Lindros at the same time? So they were never healthy all at once. Type I think thing. they did. Yeah, too bad, man. Yeah, awesome career, Yarmir Yager. Shout out to number sixty-eight. Love that yeah. guy. Yeah. All right, let's jump right into this Lapore. Okay, man. And we're gonna start with the Leafs' free agent signings. Okay. Okay. And who knows? Maybe. While we're recording this, we're going to get some notifications from Elliot Friedman or some of these other insiders, and they're going to sign more players. And Lapore, you know, I always rely on you for that. Hmm. Check those notifications. But just to go over some names here. So the Leafs signed Elias Samsonov. He's coming into that tandem with Matt Murray and Nett. Nicholas Obey Kubel, Adam Gaudet. Jordy Ben and Victor Mete. The Leafs signed all of these players for a combined $5.05 <laughs> million, Lapore. Yeah. Let's start things off with Ilya Samsonov. Okay. So the Leafs are going to go into next season, and the tandem in net is going to be Matt Murray 
and Ilya Samsonov. They're both coming in at around $6.5 million under the cap. So what are your thoughts, man, on this new tandem? <laughs> uh, a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions, but I think I sit where most Leafs fans sit, where I look at these two guys and people pointed out when the deal was done with Murray last year, when he was healthy, he was good. Samsonov, there's some question marks because, I mean, how much opportunity has really been given? But I think all I want is average goaltending. Give me the give me the nine one five, and is that possible? I think it's it's possible. I think it's very possible. Can it completely fall off the rails? Well, we're the Toronto Maple Leafs, so it most likely will. But what I do like about the Murray Samsonov combo is that there's no real term commitment, and especially with Samsonov, man, he's RFA. It's a cheap deal in these RFA. So who knows? Maybe if he plays great. And Dubas made the point to say that he really appreciated how the kid wanted a one-year deal because he wanted to prove himself. He said, give me a chance. I'll prove myself. Maybe I'll be the starting goalie. And then on his end, he'll get paid. So I like that. Who knows? I mean, the whole Russian goalie trend seems to be working across the league. But am I nervous? Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're talking about Toronto Maple Leafs goaltending. So I could not be nervous. But stay healthy, guys, and give us give us average goaltending because average goaltending would have won us the President's Trophy last year. Um, I think it's one of those cases where no one can really give an answer. Leafs haters are going to say their shit, and it's going to blow up in their face. Leafs fans are going to pump it up and say Murray's going to turn it around. The new goalie director and goalie coach will turn these guys into the next Vasilevsky and Carey Price. But at the end of the day, nobody knows. All we do know is that Dubas uh, is taking a big gamble on these two but at the same time because of the lack of commitment people forget like you can make a move like you can do something to get rid of one or both or if someone becomes available at the deadline do something who knows but i'm okay with it like to be fair i'm okay with it like my views on nhl goaltending are kind of different than most um and we've talked about that on the show and we'll get to it later talking about other goalies i'm sure but I'm in the middle, man. I'm in show me. Everyone's like, oh, Lepore, but I'm getting my phone's blowing up text messages from people I haven't spoken to in years asking me about the Leafs situation and Leafs goaltending. And I'm, just, I'm like, yeah, I'm in full show me mode. That's all, that's all I can say. I don't have a definitive answer. I just want Dubas to show me that he made the right choice and that's it. Are you as nervous as I am or more or less? Or how the do way you feel? I feel about it is, do I feel great about the goaltending situation? No, but do I feel terrible about it? The answer is also no. I'm kind of just in the middle and I'll go back to my thoughts from the last podcast where I said, I don't really trust any of the goalies in the UFA class. Right. That includes Jack Campbell. That includes any of these goalies that were available via trade, whether it's Cam Talbot, even Matt Murray, the only goalie that I really do trust. And you could even say that he's untrustworthy as well is, uh, is Darcy Kemper. And I'm just going on like body of work throughout his career. Right. He was really good in Arizona, won the Stanley Cup despite putting up less than stellar numbers, let's call it, really below average numbers. Mm -hmm. He was like the one goalie I probably trusted the most of the UFA class, but yeah. at least they're never going to sign him to a five-year deal if they weren't going to sign Campbell to a long-term contract. So when I look at it from that perspective, I viewed all of those goalies, Lepore, in the same talent tier. Right. Same thing with Samsonov and Murray. I view them in the same talent tier. They're not elite goalies. They're not terrible goalies. They're kind of just like middle of the pack goalies. And if one of them gets hot and has a really good season, they could potentially be a top 10 goalie mm -hmm. because outside of let's, let's call it like what 
the five to seven, like elite goalies and not even like elite goalies, the goalies that like you're confident in coming into the season. Like they're your surefire. Number one, Yeah, they have a chance one. to put up like a nine twenty save percentage. Those guys don't grow on trees. Mm-hmm. So with Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov, they both like last year, Samsonov was not good. Like I can go over his numbers here. 896 save percentage minus 12.1 Goal saved above expected. That was actually worse than Peter Morazic's goals <laughs> saved above expected last year. I said it was Friday and I was in a good mood, Bruno. Thanks. So he had a pretty bad season. He did have a 9-12 save percentage in five playoff games with the Capitals, but he was not very good. But the positive side, right? He's 25. You look at Matt Murray. He's still only 28. These guys are only under contract. One year Samsonov. Two years Murray. 6.5 on the cap like that's not a huge commitment i know Mm -hmm. leaf fans are freaking out and we're in the middle of the matthews and the marner era and we got to win right now or else matthews is going to take off and sign with some american team and this is all going to blow up in in dubas's face but honestly again like i said going through that entire ufa goalie market i wasn't really that comfortable with any of them yeah so you just you, you you sign two of them who you're the most comfortable with And I know this might sound terrible. Like, how do the Leafs get themselves in this situation in the first place? Maybe they should have just kept Freddie Anderson. You can make that argument. But at the end of the day, I just think that they're fine. They're fine in net. And I hope that one of those two guys plays well. Yeah, I think how I would... You made that point about Kemper. How I would put that one compared to the other deals is it could happen. Like, Samsonov, Samsonov and Murray could be trash. Like, not starting goalies. With Kemper, you're getting a starting goalie. Like, at least you know that based on his body of work. But I'm with you. Like, no one, nothing was really going to blow me out of the water. And if I remember correctly, someone posted the list of goalies, uh, goalie salaries. With the money retained from Ottawa, Murray, what is now the, well, Murray, that number, would put him as the 20th highest paid goalie in the league. In that range. Yeah, so from that perspective, it's like, okay, he's paid as the 20th best goalie in the league, so comparatively it's not too bad right and then if samsonov can uh samsonov can provide some support but again full show me mode get off to a good start i think that that's important get off to a good start get confident get the team behind you get the fans behind you i know it's almost impossible but get the media behind you i think things will be okay yeah and that's the big thing with the goaltending right a lot of it's confidence if they come in and both of them get off to a great start the media is going to be pumping up those narratives. Fans are going to be happy. But if things get off to a bad started net, mm. it could tailspin real, real quick, man. Real, really quickly, I know you're like a press conference guy. Did you watch Murray's press conference? I did. Okay. Was it just me? Now, I'm not like throwing something out there, but was it just me? But everyone knows the director of goalies for the Leafs. He's known Murray since he was like 10 years old, work with him. I'm sure the new goalie coach gave the, the thumbs up for Murray. but he kept making the point like he did it immediately and throughout the press conference kept making the point about the Leafs facilities, the support he'll receive the people around him. He kept making that point. And I was thinking in the back of my mind was, is that, was that a shot at Ottawa? Possibly. Yeah. Like he kept talking about like, they're going to, I'm going to get support here. I'm going to use the assets I have. I'm going to use like whatever's given to me. And we're going to, and I'm like, but he kept repeating it. He kept saying it. And maybe he he said it multiple times in that press conference. And maybe I'm reading too much into it. Like, I mean, there's no secret that, I mean, 
Ottawa didn't go well. And you know, who knows what the relationship was like with him, coaches, management, ownership for that matter. But I found it kind of weird. Comment down below. What do you think? Like, was he taking jobs at Ottawa or, I mean, was it just him trying to be P- Mr. PR Toronto Maple Leafs? I think it was a mix of both. It was him trying to, you know, trying to do good PR. I think he could have been taking a shot at Ottawa. You know, the one thing with the Leafs, we all know this, even the Leafs haters know, like they're a first class organization when it comes to their training facilities, all the staff members that they have Medical. that are, you know, that are there to serve every single need you possibly have, right? Like they're a first class organization. They have everything you could possibly need as a hockey player. Now, does that mean that every leaf it stays healthy all season and plays all 82 games? Absolutely not. You know, some guys get injured. Some guys are injury prone. And even if you have the best staff in the world, you know, it's not really going to, going to help your team from, from that perspective. And Matt Murray has had injury problems the last few years. And that's the big question mark. Can he stay healthy? I hope that the Leafs do everything in their power to help him stay healthy. And I think Laporte, if he does stay healthy and let's say plays like 40 to 50 games and let's say Samson plays like 30, I think Murray's going to have a good season. Mm-hmm. If he stays healthy, he's playing behind the best team he's played behind since those Pittsburgh days. And he did have a good season last year. 3.2 goals saved above expected, decent save percentage. Like he he's in a good spot to rebound and and get his career back on track. And yeah. I really hope that he can stay healthy. It's as simple I, as that. I hate to like, like I always say I hate to get inside people's heads, but you think of the new goaltending staff in Toronto. Here they are, this new team that comes in. These guys are all very experienced. To give it the green light you got to be pretty fucking confident in, in the call. Like your job's on the line. Like you're putting your head out there saying, yeah, let's go get Murray. I've worked with this guy for a long time. And then it moves up to Dubas. Like they have to be pretty. And that's maybe what's giving me a little bit of calmness with it, or maybe more calmness that I possibly should have. It's because I see it that way. These guys are ris- essentially risking their jobs on Matt Murray. So they, they must like it. And whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But they know more about goaltending than any of us talking on podca- podcasts know. And even Dubis, when he had his post-free agency press conference, they asked him about Jack Campbell and, and, you know, like, why isn't he back here? What happened? And he basically said that they weren't comfortable giving Jack Campbell the term that he wanted. So Mm -hmm. they were clearly more comfortable giving two years and a similar cap hit to Matt Murray than they were giving Jack Campbell five by five. Right. It really came down. It was as simple as that. So what they're telling you or what Dubis is telling you, Leaf fans, is that he thinks that Matt Murray is going to give you similar goaltending to what Jack Campbell provided over the last couple of seasons, yeah. more or less. And two years two years left on Murray's deal, one year of Samsonov. He's hoping he develops someone into a goalie, is what he's hoping, whether it's Wall, Wall uh, Shalgren, or one of the rushing kids. So that's it's obvious to, to me that he, he didn't want to go give term to anyone. Exactly. Lapore, how about these forwards, Nicholas Obey Kubel and Adam Goddad? It's hilarious because every year I call it the happy annual leaf sign, everyone under the sun making one million or less yeah. day. Yeah. That's what Leafs free agency day has become. And they did the same thing here with Adam Goddad and uh, Nicholas Obey Kubel. Nicholas Obey Kubel, for those of you who might not remember, was the guy who broke the Stanley Cup for the Colorado yes. Avalanche. Yes. Here come so the jokes. Won- Here come the jokes in the comments. Plays for the Leafs now. He's skating the cup over for the team pitcher, and uh, there it goes, falling to the ice and <laughs> uh, and denting. 
Awesome. So Nicholas Obey Kubel, the guy that broke the Stanley Cup, is now a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of those guys, like they're depth guys. They're third, fourth line guys at best. None of these guys are playing in the top six. Same thing with Jordy Ben and Victor Mete on the blue line. Like they might not even crack the top. They're probably not going to crack, crack, crack the top six. <laughs> You're saying they're crap, Bruno? Properly. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. O- Obey Kubel, though, like I saw some posts on him. He contributes. I mean, a little bit of offense. He's uh, his underlying numbers are pretty good. He seems like a guy who could be on the fourth line, like the guy we could see throughout the season. I mean, like he had influence on uh, on Colorado season last year. So he's the one. I'm like, he could be something. He he could. The others, I'm just like, yeah, Marley's or injury guy, guys get injured and get called up. Because Mete, I mean, again, being from Ottawa, like I watched a lot of Mete. He was like so up and down, man. He was always like, wow, he looks great tonight. Or wow, Mete sucks tonight. Like every time I'd be at a game. So I don't know. I'm trying to rolling the dice on these guys. But at the end of the day, like look around. One thing people have to give Dubas credit for is a lot of these signings, these like kind of bubble NHLers or like low-grade NHL players, they seem to do well in Toronto and they leave for a big contract. So, I mean, we look at like this this year or last couple of years. We had um, uh, Campbell just happened. We had Mikheyev just happened we look at the signings that uh that Kasha, Dubas made. Camp. yeah casa got a deal camp bunting's gonna get paid next year so i mean the leafs obviously have confidence that they can do well with these guys and again use their assets to make these guys play above themselves so i'm looking forward to seeing what happens but like i said the obey kubel one is the one where from what i'm reading about his underlying numbers and what he contributes so like he could be something yeah i think dubis alluded to this in his press conference i'd have to go back and and watch it but i believe i saw some quotes on twitter where he essentially thinks that he can sort of play the Ilya mikhaev role oh not as well as Ilya mikhaev but they see him in a similar light where he could like play on the power or play on the penalty kill he's got some speed uh but i you know laporte you mentioned earlier how it's friday you want to hear good things nicholas obey kubel this is not a good thing. What happened? Zero points in 14 playoff games oh, with the okay. Colorado Avalanche. I was going to say, like, he alert came through. He broke his fucking leg or something. I thought you were going to tell me. Zero points in 14 games. Uh, well, it's the same as Mikheyev. So, yeah, like you said, much. Dubas is bang on, and it's a hell of a lot cheaper. No matter who plays in the Leafs' top six, we can just guarantee none of them are going to show up in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah good thing GMs uh, handing out these contracts uh, to players who play for the Leafs aren't looking at their playoff performance. Oh, my goodness. But listen, at the end of the day, the Leafs have their roster set in stone. The core is here. Morgan Riley, like TJ Brody, like yeah. all the Leafs already have good players. This yeah, is everyone, that- like, everyone on Twitter, oh, are the Leafs better? It's like, well, they're 115-point team. I mean, you move around a little bit. Like, what exactly were you going to do to pull off something, right? But Crotch discomfort hurting your game? Fear no more. The kings of crotch comfort, Manscaped, have spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. Sleek, soft, comfortable, and flexible. The brand new Boxers 2.0 from Manscaped. Take your balls to the royal ball throne. The global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the lawnmower 4.0 for the trimming, so you can wear the Boxers 2.0 for the chilling. They even trademarked the jewel pouch, so you know it's serious. I think it's time you invest in your family jewels. So let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping using the promo code GFP20 at manscaped.com. Lapore, these boxers are unbelievable, man. 
They are amazing, Anthony Bruno. I always say in life, there are certain things you don't mess around with. There are certain things you have to commit to. Go all the way. So when you're choosing your underwear, why wear like some shitty cotton pair or a pair that's going to ride up? Commit to Manscaped underwear because it's A plus all the way. Super comfortable, super durable, very light. You won't regret it. Man, these boxers honestly are the best boxes I've ever worn. Shockingly good. Yeah. They are so damn comfortable. Good. It's it's actually unbelievable. So you got yeah. the boxers, you got the lawnmower 4.0. Don't forget about this bad boy. So many great products from Manscaped. Come on, guys. If you have not already purchased some of these Manscaped products, I don't know what you're doing because they will take your game to the next level. So once again, you can get 20% off and free shipping using the promo code GFP20 at manscaped.com. That is 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the promo code GFP20. All right, Lapore, let's move on now to the players who left the Toronto Maple Leafs. Fun. So we have Jack Campbell, who signed a five-year deal for $5 million in Edmonton. That's obviously the most notable Leaf who took his talents elsewhere. Ilya Mikheyev, who signed a four-year contract for $4.75 million crazy. with the Vancouver Canucks. Pretty, pretty crazy, if you ask me. And then, of course, we have Andre Kasha, who is also mm. out the door. He signed for one year and $1.5 million in Carolina. So let's start with Jack Campbell. What are your thoughts on this? Because we kind of alluded to Campbell in our conversation about Matt Murray and the Leafs goaltending. Clearly, Dubas was not comfortable giving Jack Campbell a five-year deal. It just didn't make sense. As, as good as Campbell was in Lapore, like, I'm a Campbell fan. I think Me he's too. a good goalie. And when he's at his best, he can be like a top 10 goalie in the league. He really can. But the problem is he's not consistent. He was terrible in the second half of the season. From January 1st on last year, he had an 890 save percentage. Mm. He was awful at the second half of last season. In the playoffs, save percentage under 900. He's, he's a very volatile goalie, man. As good as he can be and as much as we probably both like him, I don't know, man. That's still a risk, in my opinion, for Edmonton. But then Edmonton fans will probably come in and say, we had Mike Smith and Miko Koskin in the last few years. This feels like we have Patrick Waugh. Yeah, for sure. From from it's weird because from I look at it from Toronto's perspective, and I'm like, no way. Like I wouldn't have been happy if they committed five years to Jack Campbell because any goalie I would give that kind of deal, I'd ask myself the question: Is he good enough to win the Stanley Cup? And beyond the thing of like you know the teams that win with average goaltending, people know what I mean by that. A goalie that can win you the Stanley Cup is, I guess, the best way I'd put it. And my answer would be no. And I, and I think most people would say no. At the end of the day, looking back over the last couple of years, how many games did Campbell steal for us? None. Not a lot. None. I mean, not that he played poorly, whatever there was that. Is it just me? The bad goal against Montreal in game seven. The Gallagher the Tron- goal? Yeah, we're the Toronto Maple Leafs. I feel like that goal doesn't get as much attention as it deserves. Like, that was a terrible goal. Yeah, that was like, awful. Second period, 0-0, like, shot, like, one-on-one one on one situation, just beats him. It was a five-hole. But anyways, I wouldn't have committed that kind of money if I was Toronto. But I give credit to Ken Holland for putting his dick out there and just making the team better. I think if I was in his position with the McDavid situation, you have the best player of this generation – any move you can make that makes the team like even incrementally better. Yeah. You do it. 
So, okay, he, he made his goaltending better. If he had to commit five years, he had to commit five years, whatever. I don't think it'll end up being like a terrible deal, but I don't hate it for Edmonton. And I'm like you said, I mean, we're all Jack Campbell fans. We're happy he got the payday and that someone committed to him and we wish him well. But no, like, I mean, I, I'm happy Toronto didn't do it. Like, I think a lot of, I think a lot of fans, I would say people were torn on Jack Campbell, but I think people like, oh, you know, we could have got Campbell for that. He's not that good. Like he's like, he, like you said, with, uh, with Murray and Samsonov, you're hoping they're fine or they could be fine. Jack Campbell say, he said, he's very volatile. He's hot. He's cold overall. He's fine. So you committed five years to a guy who's fine. No, like, I mean, if I'm the Leafs, uh, uh, it's, it's not my thing. And here's the thing, like, it could be bad for one team and good for another team. That's the way I view it, right? Like Jack Campbell, again, I'll say it for the third time. I think he's a good goalie, but in the context of the Leafs and their roster and their salary cap situation, it didn't make sense. Whereas for Edmonton, it did make sense. Because as Lapore mentioned, you have the best player of this generation. You have Leon Dreisaitl. They bring back Evander Kane. They're a good team. They just went to the conference finals. Now, I still think they have flaws, and I still think their defense core is not good enough, and I still think they have even depth issues up front in their bottom six. But that's a team that needed goaltending. They needed goaltending more than anything. And they can fit Jack Campbell under the salary cap. It made more sense in the context of that team and the situation that they're in. And all the power to Ken Holland and Edmonton. If they think that Jack Campbell's their guy, then by all means, go for it. Because he's yeah. definitely an upgrade over Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen. 100%. I think we could confidently say that. I heard I heard rumors that uh, Smith is going to go on LTIR. Possibly, yes. I've seen, yeah. I've seen the same rumors. So that remains yeah. to be seen. But yeah, Edmonton fans have to be happy that they finally have a new goalie and a goalie who, you know, they can be excited about now i wouldn't get too too excited about jack campbell because you know even if you look at like both teams how how they play defensively i would i would say the leafs are a better defensive team than edmonton so mm. it'll be interesting to see how campbell transitions how he looks like he's 30 years old at the end of the day this isn't a spring chick here i mean he's still a relatively young guy but you're committing five years to this guy it's going to take him to his age 35 season you know, it's not the safest bet, but again, when you have Connor McDavid and you're trying to win now, you can almost make an argument that any good player you add in free agency is a decent decision. And is, is Picard going to be their backup? No. So they got Stuart Skinner. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. Who played, right, right. I, I think he played, he played like 10, 15 games last year for Edmonton. He was their yeah, they AHL like him. guy. They, they like him though. I think, yeah, it looks like he's probably going to be the backup goalie, depending on what happens with Mike Smith okay. and his injury situation. But the Edmonton Oilers, I think, I think at, overall they're happy about this. But mm -hmm. who knows, Laporte? This could, this could swing in the other, other direction real quick. Same thing with Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov. Like, I'm not, I, I wouldn't be that comfortable with any of those guys. Mm -hmm. All right, Lapore, how about Ilya Mikheyev, man? How about Ilya Mikheyev, Bruno? <laughs> Four years, 4.75 million with the crazy. Vancouver Canucks. Absolutely crazy. The take I have on this one is a different one. Okay. So I, I'm a big footy fan. I mean, I grew up playing, uh, playing soccer. So I sometimes use like analogies that compare the two sports or that I used to kind of like how, see how the things match up or line up. So there's a thing 
in the top flight of soccer, especially like in English Premier League, because like the TV money and the branding money is so big. It's just so big that these ownership groups, they don't really care about winning. They just want to stay in the top flight. Like they're not going to go crazy spending to try to win the league. They'll just spend enough to keep them in that meaty middle to keep those TV dollars and advertising dollars coming in. And I think, and people may not want to hear this. I think if that happens in North American sports, a hell of a lot more than people think. Now, of course, in, in, uh, in the Premier League, there's relegation. You're completely kicked out of the league and there's no relegation in the National Hockey League. You're not going to get sent down to the AHL. But I think a lot of ownership groups, a lot of teams, they just kind of build their team in a way that like, okay, we have a chance to fight for a, we can fight for a playoff spot. Like they're not going to go crazy committing to anything. And when I say that, I mean stuff off the ice where they can really set up a plan or whatever. Because like this is how I see the McKayev deal. And comment down below if you have a different opinion. Ilya McKayev is a nice player. He's a good player. He can be a fundamental piece on any team in the National Hockey League. I really enjoyed watching him play in Toronto. But at the end of the day, he's not an elite player. He's not a star player. Like He's not a game breaker. So why would you overpay a player who's in that category? Or even, I'll go one step further. Why would you even give a guy what you think he deserves? Like at, at that level, you can find someone equal to Ilium Mikheyev for less money or a little, a little lower on the, on the pole than Mikheyev for way less money. So like that, that's where I don't get it. Like no one can look, I'll put it this way. No one can look me in the face, even like the biggest Homer Canuck fan in the world and can be like, this is a slam dunk. No, at 4.75 million, you're crazy. Like, I, I don't really, I had to think, you know, what, what the number would be for Mikheyev. I said I would have given maybe like 10 million over three years, like somewhere there. Then we're going like 1.5 higher for a guy who is a third liner. And he, I mean, yeah, he kills penalties. He's good shorthanded, but I, I don't see the value in it. And like, it boggles my mind with these teams, how they see guys like that. And they give them these contracts and then like term to give them the, the term as well. And it gets posted every, it's like, I almost said July one, because that's usually the day someone will throw back like all the signings from five years ago. And they're all brutal, all brutal. And it's like, yeah, that, I can see that McCabe one in a couple of years being like, they gave him 4.75. And like, and then the wheels start turning as to why they gave him that. But sad to see him go. I enjoyed watching him in Toronto. Exciting player, different type of player, brought excitement. But at that price tag and at that term, no fucking way. No, ch no chance in hell. This is a classic example of overplaying overpaying rather a middle tier player like he's a good player i echo all the same things you said lapore like i enjoyed watching him play he's one of the fastest guys in the nhl but he's not a game breaker no. he's not a guy that you can confidently insert in your top six he's a bottom six forward think about this okay the leafs especially last season you can even go back to the season before that they have been desperately looking for the third guy to pair with Matthews and Marner, and the third guy to pair with Tavares and Nylander. Ilya Mikheyev could have easily stepped up and taken either of those jobs, all right? But for whatever reason, Sheldon Keefe did not feel comfortable doing that. And I say for whatever reason, the reason is, is because his finishing ability was terrible. Last season, he did score at a 30-goal pace. He had a, the best offensive season 
of his Leafs tenure, but this is a guy of who he did. <laughs> wasn't able to crack the Leafs top six when the Leafs desperately needed a winger to crack that top six. And yeah. now Vancouver is paying this guy a shade under $5 million for four years. Yeah. What's always weird too, is like, you always like how I said, you know, I, what I thought a fair deal for McKay was, and you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, but a team's going to give them more. There's going to be a stupid team that gives them more. And it always happens. Like, why? Why? Is it, if you're the Canucks management right now, are you like, yeah, we're better today? Like, no. 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 And that's the thing. It's not like that team is close to competing for a Stanley Cup. Yeah, like, they still have some one. really good young players. Like, I like their core, but that team is not ready to win a championship. And this, yeah. I don't know how this puts them closer to achieving that. Yeah. And it's not like the Campbell deal, deal where we said, you know, we wouldn't give that to Jack. But from Edmonton's side, it's like, okay, well, we got it. We need a goalie. And we and we got one. But, like, a depth forward? Why? It's and wild. It's wild. Like, in, in a cap league, like, I, I really and truly don't get it. No no chance, man. Like, congrats to Ilya McKayev and his agent for securing the bag. And same right. with Jack Campbell. But... In the context of the Toronto Maple Leafs and their salary cap situation, bringing back, you know, one or both of those players just didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, no way. Lapore, how about quickly on Andre Kasha? Yeah. Signing I like, Carolina. I liked Cash again. But you know what? He was kind of different than McKayev in the way that like McKayev was very obvious in things he did very well. But at the same time, like pretty obvious in the things he didn't do very well, like you said, his finishing. Whereas Kasha was the player you really had to pay attention to when you watched him on the ice. And was I you hear this term all the time. He's a coach's dream because he's so fundamental, good defensively. I mean, not the greatest finisher in the world, but he can put the puck in the net. Yeah, like like good player, like a nice player to have in your lineup. And actually for the number. I mean, or even like the term, I should say, like the one year, I'm kind of surprised the Leafs let him walk. But I mean, what do I know? Maybe something internal, they want to give that money somewhere else or they have someone else in mind, or at least you assume so. But that one, I was kind of disappointed in. I, I liked him. I liked him a lot. Yeah, I liked Kasha as well. And like you said, for one year, 1.5 million, I feel like the Leafs could have easily brought him back. Maybe it was a situation where Kasha wanted to move on mm -hmm. or maybe... It was just a matter of the Leafs not trusting his, you know, his durability because this is a guy that hasn't been able to stay healthy throughout his NHL career. He had injury issues last year as well. So maybe the Leafs figured, you know, we're already rolling the dice here with Matt Murray and his durability issues. Oh, do we really want to bring back Andre Kasha, who's probably going to miss half the season with some sort of ailment? So maybe that had something to do with it, but Regardless, best of luck to Andre Kasha, Ilya Mikheyev, and Jack Campbell. Leaf fans enjoyed watching you guys play, and uh, now they're all going to go on to win Stanley Cups with yeah. their new teams. That's just how it works. Yeah, and if you want a Leafs jersey that's on sale, pick up one of those ones. I'm sure there's some lying around uh, Real Sports. Oh, yeah, great especially deal. I'm, I'm, great especially especially Ca uh, Campbell. I'll tell a whole story. One thing, this is such like a hashtag Toronto Maple Leafs moment. I'm in Toronto. And I was at, uh, I went to Real Sports. And I believe it, it was after the Leafs were able to, to be rid of uh, the Clarkson deal. And you walk in and they had this like section of Clarkson jerseys and like the, the, the t-shirts and all that stuff. And there was a big fucking sign, all Clarkson merchandise, 70% off. 
Wow. Like, so like they had the authentic game jerseys that are like, you know, 300 bucks, 350 bucks for like a hundred bucks. And we're people buying them to strip them to like make them other players or take the nameplate off, put your own name on it, something like that. But just, yeah, Toronto Maple Leafs, it's our history. So what you're telling Leaf fans is to go out to real sports, go grab an Ilya Mikheyev or an Andre Kasha jersey for 75% off and just yeah. and just put any other name on it yeah, or put your own name on it or whatever you want to do. Whatever you want. A beer league jersey, right? Yeah, there you go. There's always one guy wearing a Leafs jersey, right? And in, uh, in pickup hockey, there's always one. There's always that one guy. There's always a Leafs jersey and there's always a 99 every time. No matter where you're playing shinny around Ontario. Uh. All right, Lepore, we got to talk about Johnny Gaudreau. Yes, we do. This was a wild situation. It's a fucking movie, man. They should write a script. I'm stunned. I'm sure most of you listening are stunned. Lepore, I think, is probably stunned. So the Calgary Flames reportedly offered Johnny Gaudreau an eight-year contract for $10.5 million. Crazy. It could have been more. It could have been less. But I think it's pretty safe to say that they offered him north of $10 million. Okay. And this guy decides to leave the Calgary Flames, a team that had a great season last year under Daryl Sutter. Johnny Gaudreau had the best season of his career, 115 points, playing on a line with Matthew Kachuk and Elias Lindholm, arguably, arguably the best line in the NHL last year. Mm -hmm. He leaves all of that. He spent his entire career there. The fans loved him there. And he takes his talents not to his hometown in New Jersey, not to the New York Islanders who were also rumored to be, you know, one of the heavy hitters to sign Johnny Gaudreau, not to the Philadelphia Flyers. He goes to the Columbus Blue Jackets. So random. The Columbus Blue Jackets, seven years, 9.75 million AAV. It, it just completely stunned the hockey world. I can't believe it, Lepore. And listening to his press conference, he, he said some things that pissed off a lot of Flames fans. The one quote I will mention, he said, it was best for us not to go back to Calgary. Dun, dun, and, dun. and he also mentioned that he was looking at Columbus for a while as if this team was on his radar for, I don't know, was it a year, two years, three years? Mentioned nice. that every time that he played in Columbus, he loved it there. Okay. So Lepore, man. What the hell just happened? Was there not? Did the deal not? Was it New Jersey? The deal came out where they offered him and it was more as well. Or again, rumors. Yeah, I believe New Jersey offered him like a massive deal. is Kind of like the, the, Flames the Flames deal, like over 10 million. I think this is one of those stories where we're going to dissect it. We're going to put our hands up in the air and not understand it. At the end of the day, there's a reason why he chose Columbus. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe he's got... I don't know, some family there or friends there, or he's married, right? With a kid. Like that was a story. So maybe like, I don't know if he has a kid, but he's definitely married. Oh, okay. So like some connection to his wife, who knows? And all these guys are different. Some of them care about money. Some of them don't as much. Some of them care about what city they're playing in. Some of them don't. Some care about being on a competitive team. A lot of them don't. I hate to tell like hockey fans out there everywhere. A lot of these guys don't give a shit if their team's competitive or not. So I'm sure he had his reasons. As for the Flames, like, I assumed he was gone. All year, I assumed he was gone. Like, I remember when we did the show uh, last year when Sutter had just come on. Remember Sutter was trashing him in press conferences? 
Like pe- people have, people have short memories, man. And that's all it takes for him to turn his back and say, fuck you. And like, at the end of the day, like these players don't owe anything to these teams because they're part of a union and they can walk. So it sucks for flames fans. I mean, the guy's a great player and all the stories are coming out today, how it tarnishes his legacy on how, because of how he left and this and that, but they knew he was gone. It sucks. But at the end of the day, what difference does it make who he goes to? Maybe you could say it's more insulting because he chose a team that doesn't really appear to be very competitive. But I always say, too, like, again, other factors why he went there. Who knows? Like he signed a seven-year deal. Maybe Columbus is a contender in three or four years. Like, we don't know. And maybe the Flames suck in three or four years. Like, we don't know, right? So, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I, that's kind of like the headline of the Johnny Goudreau story. I don't know. Because... Not a lot of it makes sense on the surface, but I'm sure if we got Goudreau in a room, whether he went off about some connection to the state of Ohio or how he was unhappy in Calgary or whatever ticked him off. And guys, let's face it again, stuff people don't want to hear, but on the Guns for Punishment podcast, we don't tell you what you want to hear. We tell you the truth. A lot of these guys don't want to play in Canada, let alone Alberta. And like, like, I'm a Northern BC boy, so like, like I can acknowledge this and talk openly about it. He's an American kid. Calgary. He's not going to stay in Calgary, guys. It, it's, just, it's just the reality of it. Now, people can point to cities. Like, so for example, like I've I had this conversation the other day, actually, and getting a little off topic. As far as Vancouver goes, I'm surprised Vancouver is not more of like a free agency hub. Like, beautiful city. They say, what do they say? Ski in the morning, swim in the afternoon. Well, obviously, real estate is really expensive, so that's a con. But I've always kind of thought that, you know, Vancouver should do better than they should. But as far as like the Calgary's, the Edmonton's, the Winnipeg's, it's hard, man. You have to get guys who either their mindset is, like I said before, guys have different mindsets. Their mindset is, I want to win. And I really want to play here. You get that Canadian boy who really wants to play for a Canadian team. You have to get those reasons. But there's going to be a lot of players who don't have those reasons stuck in their brain and Goudreau was one of them and like like I said a lot of people anticipated him leaving so am I shocked not at all am I shocked at the Columbus Blue Jackets yes I I really thought he was going to the Flyers that's the I just pictured him in the orange I'm like he's gonna go to Philadelphia and the whole thing trying to turn that around but he's confused as I am Bruno (laughs) yeah it's just a rough situation for the Calgary Flames and listen people could be saying the same thing about Austin Matthews, American. He doesn't want to play in Canada. He wants to go back to the States. I mean, you know, people, we, we've joked around about it on this podcast, you know, having conversations about Matthews leaving the Leafs and McDavid leaving Edmonton to come home to Toronto. It was a situation where Johnny Gaudreau clearly wanted to play somewhere on the East Coast in, in the States. He says closer to his family, but when you look at the distance between... <laughs> Columbus, Ohio, and yeah, it's not the East Coast. That's the whole story. It's like an eight and a half hour drive. Awesome. But obviously, it's a lot closer than than Calgary is to New Jersey. And, and when Calgary's- you're pay- and when you're flying in a private jet, it's even closer. Exactly. So when you look at it from that perspective, okay, you're on the East Coast. You're closer to your family. The big, just oh my God, what the hell is? Why did he pick the Columbus Blue Jackets when he could have picked any of these other teams that were in the mix? Because Columbus mm. last year finished 21st in the NHL. They don't appear to be anywhere close to. I don't want to say competing for a playoff spot because they're they're going to be one of those like borderline teams that could potentially fight for a wild card spot, especially now that they picked up Johnny Hockey. But yeah. this team isn't winning a championship anytime soon. They're not going to be very competitive 
anytime soon. He could have gotten more money in other places. He must have just really liked Yarmo Kekalainen, what that organization was selling him. Like, yeah, who knows? There's Liney. other things, right? Behind the scenes, maybe from like, you know, a personal standpoint with his family, there was something very intriguing about Columbus. Like, I don't know. And, and maybe this will come out eventually, but clearly he could have got more money in pretty much any other place he would have picked. Yeah. So, you know, it's fun. You know, it's funny. I just caught myself how, not that I'm defending what Goudreau did, but I'm kind of justifying it. If Austin Matthews left him free agency and signed with the fucking Columbus blue jackets. Oh my God. I'd be having a fucking meltdown. Yeah. We'd, we'd both be having a meltdown. Oh, so it's funny how, when it affects you for like flame slams, I'm not blaming you for being upset. I'm just saying from the outside, I can see it, but if it was me, my team, my player. Oh yeah. We, we'd be th- throwing a uh, fire bombs at Austin Matthews house in Arizona. It's just brutal. And I don't know how Calgary recovers from this now, because listen, I I still think they're going to be competitive because Daryl Sutter teams, they always find a way to like, even if they don't have star players, I feel like that team is just going to muck it up. They're going to play the same sort of style where they're winning like these low scoring games, but that's a big hit to their offense, man. That is such a big hit. Like, and now, you know, they still have the Matthew Kachuk situation where they have to re-sign him as an RFA. And now Flames fans are really nervous about that. Like, this is this is not a great situation. Like, we could be looking at a Flames team that's just completely blowing it up over the next maybe, couple of years. Maybe that was part of it. Like, maybe he knows something we don't like. And I'm not, I don't have insider information, haha, or like some sort of take. But like, maybe Kachuk's leaving. And Possibly. he knows. And he knows. And he's like, well, that's my star. That's like a star line made in mind if he's leaving. I mean, yeah, because those guys definitely talk. Let's say he thinks, all right, Matt, I've talked to Matthew Kachuk. This guy is not really keen on staying here when he yeah. becomes a UFA. So am I really going to lock in here for eight years? Yeah, I don't really Matthew like Kachuk the coach. is going to be out the door potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's another something American will come out. player. So, something will come out. We'll, we'll find out something. At least I hope we will. Yeah, it's just, it's a brutal, it's a brutal situation for Flames fans. Honestly, like I I do really feel for Flames fans because this is a guy that you watched grow up, you know, become a star player in the NHL. And now he just leaves you at the altar. It's it's just brutal. It's brutal for hockey fans in Calgary. And honestly, I, I hope that from here, better days are ahead for the Calgary Flames. But before, before we end off this podcast, because we are getting up to the time here, Best and worst free agent signings. Ooh. Which one okay. do you want to start with? Best or worst? Well, they say bad news first. <laughs> All right. Worst free agent signing. Give it to me. If you had to pick one. Okay. The worst free agent signing of 2022. This one, this one hurts me, Bruno, because the man who made this decision is like a god to me. He's actually from the t- place uh, I grew up in. Uh, there's an arena named after him in this town. Steve Iserman giving Ben Sherratt a four-year deal at $4.75 million. Okay? Flabbergasted. Crazy. And I'm so confused because here was Steve Iserman in Tampa Bay, never making a big free agent splash, never overpaying anyone just like steady all the time, never panicking, never doing anything erratic. What is that deal? What is that deal? It's, it's similar to the McKay situation or say it's worse. Cause I, I think Sherrod's a below average player. Whereas you could have got that for much less or with less term, you didn't have to commit that. 
And I remember when Sherratt was available at the deadline and everyone was saying, oh man, look what this guy did to the Leafs in the playoffs. It, I think it was Jay Fresh. He posted, it was like a 20 minute long video of every play Sherratt was involved in over all seven games against Toronto. Just clips, clips, clips for 15, 20 minutes. And I swear, Bruno, every second, third clip was him giving the puck away, him getting beaten in the corner, him losing a 50-50 battle, him not being able to get the puck out of his own zone, him getting walked. Like, I, I don't get it with this player, and I don't see what people oh, see. Lapore, I've gone over the analytics about Sherratt, especially in last year's playoffs, where when he was on the ice for the halves during their Stanley Cup run, yeah, it was like a minus like 100 shot differential. Yeah, when he I was remember on the that. ice. Like it was bad. Yeah, and then he the was numbers clearly came out. like their worst, not their worst defenseman, but of like those big four guys, Edmund, Edmondson, Petrie, Weber, and Sherratt. Like he was easily the worst of the four. And that stuff came out last year with Florida, where it's like his uh, was it his uh, his course. He was like the worst on the team by far, like like over in the playoffs and like not even close. So I and don't the trade know. that they made for Sherrod, first Again, round pick prospect. I think another draft pick involved, like just awful. I'm gonna go full Homer mode here because someone put this out there. Out there, I think it was yesterday. I'm gonna go full Homer mode. If someone told me right now, right now, the Toronto Maple Leafs could trade Giordano for Sherratt and Sherratt would come in at Giordano's price tag, I'd say no. Yep, same here. I'd say no. And he's making a fifth of his money on a two-year deal. Like, where am I? I, I, I don't understand. I, I don't understand what people see in this player. And I am crazy confused, crazy confused that my boy, childhood hero, Steve Iserman, made that move. I'm, con I'm confused, yeah, it's, Bruno. It, it's awful. And Lepore, I had the exact same player. Oh, that's boring. As the worst free agent <laughs> signing. It's easily Ben Sherratt. Like I said, I've gone through the analytics on this guy. And Habs fans, you can tell me how great he is all you want. He's physical and he gets under your skin. And I'm sure he does. He's physical. You know, he makes you think when you're on the ice just because of his physicality and his presence. But he's just not a very good player. It's as simple as that. And there's no way a player like that should be getting a shade under $5 million on a four-year contract. And it's crazy, like Lepore said, coming from Steve Eiserman, who is viewed as one of the smartest hockey executives in the NHL. So it's crazy. Second on my list was another defenseman, Eric Goodbranson, signing a four-year, $4 million contract in Columbus. That's also egregious. Yeah, you know which one I think was like subtly bad? The, the Ryan Strom deal. He got five times five. I was like, eh. like he's like a half I a point. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Yeah, I mean, he's like a half a point a game guy. I'm again, I think you can do better. I mean, it's kind of disappointing. I, I'm like personally disappointed because I really like how Anaheim's like up and coming, skilled and whatever. So I'm like, why'd you do that? Like, I, I don't know, but I, th I thought that was like a a quiet one that probably should have um, deserved more negative attention. Yeah, anyone who's getting a five by five in free agency, you always gotta kind of raise your eyebrow at it and think, it, is this gonna is this gonna go well? Because that's the number where it's like, well, he's not a star player, he's like a fine player, but you can get a fine player for less, so they're overpaying to give him five times exactly. five. Exactly, you're a hundred percent right. That's always the sketchy number, the, the five the number by you five. Don't want. All right, Lapore, best free agent signing. Okay, best one. Mm, this is tough for me to say out loud, Bruno. And uh, 
the local fans of uh, Michael Lepore will be uh, pumping their fist at this one. But I actually think the best free agency signing, and I look at it in the way of impact on the team and culture of the team and what it means for the, that franchise, is Claude Giroux to the Army right. Senator. Three-year deal. I think it's a fair number. Well, like, look at the numbers we just said, how five gets you these guys like McCabe and Strom. They got Giroux for 6.25. Yeah, for 1.5 million more, essentially. Yeah. And he signed a three-year deal. Three-year so, deal. At the end of the day, I mean, if someone to- if someone would have told you that someone was going to give Giroux five times seven point five, I'd be like, I believe it. Like that that one, like again, a star player guy who contributes. I think it's a really good deal for Ottawa, and I mean, they still have Stutzla at uh, at uh, on his entry level deal, so that's nice for for this year to add that player. Of course, they added Debrinket as well. But like I said, like culturally for that franchise, here is this team that everyone always shot on for not being able to bring in free agents, not being able to keep guys. I'm sure the list for Claude Giroux was long, very long. He probably had a lot of choices, especially if he was willing to take that amount. And like apparently Florida wanted him hard. So he chose Ottawa over Florida. So it's a big signing for Ottawa, man, because again, locker room stuff, culture stuff, it excites fans. He's going to score. He could have taken more money. He could have taken more term. I think, I, think it's a, it's, I think it's great for the Ottawa Senators. And people could point to, oh, he's a local guy, but that means shit. Like, that means absolute shit. Like, if uh, he, he didn't sign in Ottawa, like, he, in his mind, I don't think he is turning his back on a chance to win the Stanley cup. Cause Oh, I, I want to play in Ottawa. Like, no. And I don't even think he's really from Ottawa. Like people say he's from here, but he's kind of from outside Ottawa, but I'm impressed with the deal, man. Again, the money, the term and what it means for the franchise, the fans, a lot of excitement, a lot of momentum for the Suns right now. I think it was the biggest deal. I like it. I, I don't think there's anything you could really criticize when it comes to this deal. Three years, six and a half million. He's still a very effective player. That top six in Ottawa mm. is absolutely ferocious. Scared, Bruno. Like they rank with, they're, they're easily a top eight, I would say, forward group in the NHL now, just in terms of their top six. Yeah. The issues with Ottawa, their defense core is still not good. And even their goaltending, I know they traded for Cam Talbot and Anton Forsberg is coming off a good season, but. There's still a lot of question marks surrounding their goaltending. It's fine. And they play like in a very else. tough division. <laughs> yeah, the division thing. Yeah. So regardless, even though we all like what Ottawa has done this offseason, and I like the Giroux signing, it's still going to be an uphill battle for them to be competitive as quickly as maybe a lot of people think they're going to be. I, you know what, Bruno? I think they're competitive this year. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So you think like, they're probably fighting for a playoff spot? I think, oh man, you, you mentioned the top six. At the end of the day, the biggest thing in the NHL is scoring goals. Okay, Giroux, Dabrinkit, Stutzla, Kachuk, Batherson, Norris. Norris, like, pretty nasty. And then even even in, in the depth, I mean, that Pinto kid looked really good at the start of last year before he got hurt. Formington on the third line. Uh, Matthew Joseph looked good. Uh, the kid they picked up from Tampa Bay with the Nick Paul trade. They're going to score goals. They're going to score a lot of goals. Like I think they're fighting for a playoff spot. Okay, that's fair. I, I still think yeah. they missed the playoffs this year, but they they better take a step up because they yeah. have not been on the trajectory that the Senators, you know, brass thought they would be on, even their fans. Like, they were supposed to be a little bit more ahead of where they are. Yeah. And hopefully they do have 
their best season in the last three or four years this the heat, season. The Heat is on DJ Smith. If yeah. they get off to a bad start with the moves they made, he's gone. I think for the first time, it's like he's going to feel real pressure. 100%. Mm-hmm. Before we wrap this up, I will quickly mention my favorite UFA <laughs> signing. And people might be absolutely stunned to hear this. but Don't, I say, think don't say Claude Giroux, uh, Bruno. No, <laughs> it's not Claude Giroux. It is Evander Kane. Oh, okay. Yeah, re-signing with the Edmonton Oilers four years for a little over $5 million. Yeah. This player is easily worth 7 or $8 million. Okay. And I know he comes with a lot of baggage and there's probably no team in the NHL that wanted to lock this guy up, you know, for five, six, seven years. No one wanted to do that, but he's an awesome player, a point per game player. I think he unlocked their offense last season when he came over, you know, his ability to either play with Connor McDavid, play on the power play, play with Leon Dreisaitl, like no matter who he plays with, he's going to produce. And I think if the Oilers lost Evander Kane, that would have been devastating for that team. A team that seemingly is sort of knocking on the door and is right there to maybe win a Stanley Cup. Losing a player like Evander Kane, who bolstered that top six, I think would have been a devastating blow. So kudos to Ken Holland and the Edmonton Oilers for bringing back Evander Kane. At that number, I think that was the best signing of NHL free agency. Yeah, and similar to Giroux, I mean... I say props to the player, like the fan will say that because he could have got more elsewhere. And each, I said, we were talking about Johnny Goudreau before and how a lot of guys don't care about where they play, whether their team's competitive. He liked his surroundings. The team's competitive. He felt, he felt welcomed when he was there. I like it. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing negative about it. Like you said, there's only stuff to like. If you're, if you're an Oilers fan, you're stoked. Yeah. The Oilers are, are looking solid. I still think they need a little bit of help, but I mean, they're, they're in a nice spot moving yeah. into next season. Lapore, anything else you want to get off your chest before we wrap this up? No, but I'm really hoping for like, I think like a lot of Leafs fans, like we need, we got some nice little moves. The Murray thing caused a lot of talk, but I'm really hoping for like a trade or like freeing up something, signing someone and having to get rid of someone, like some more excitement on, on Leafland. You? I think Kyle Dubas has something up his sleeve. Please, I think Kyle. I think we're going to see a trade at some point, and maybe it's one of these defensemen because now they just brought in Jordy Ben and Victor yeah. Mete. Muzzin so Hall. are they going to move out of Justin Hall, Jake Muzzin potentially? Like, there's a couple moves that could be made here. I don't know if anything's going to happen. Maybe they're just bringing in all these D men, and they're just going to be fighting for spots. But I feel like there's going to be a little bit more excitement in Leafland very very soon. Mm. All right, everybody, that is going to do it. For episode 68 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, once again, if you really enjoyed this episode, five-star rating and review on Apple and Spotify. Do it right now. Right now. Or you're banned from the podcast. (laughs) All right? And if you're watching us on YouTube and you really enjoy the content, you know the deal. Smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. We will... uh, We'll be here to cover all the the news that breaks with the Leafs if they add more players throughout the offseason. But until then, enjoy your summer, everybody. And me and Lepore, we'll see you guys in the next one. Thanks, everyone.